welcome to the Investment Turnaround. In this podcast series, Dr. Mariana Bosazan interviews world-renowned investors, scientists, and other personalities who share their solutions toward the sustainable transformation of our financial systems. In this special podcast, on occasion of the Future of Capital conference at the UN headquarters in New York, Mila Popovich, a fellow of the World Academy of Art and Science, interviews Dr. Mariana Bosazan, our usual host. Mariana is an integral investor, serial entrepreneur, and philanthropist. She's a full member in the International Club of Rome, a fellow in the World Academy of Art and Science, and Europe's female angel investor of 2019. Educated at Stanford University and KIT, Mariana earned a master's degree in artificial intelligence and a PhD in psychology. It's exciting to see this group of the Future Capital Initiative. It's exciting to see it coming from all sides of the world. And uh, maybe we should actually start with the a little bit of a personal background, where you come from. Uh, I think we share the similar background from more Southeast Europe, uh, and I would like to know uh, and how, you know, how your life developed to get you to where you're at right now. <laughs> how much time do we have? <laughs> but, oh, I know that. <laughs> but just a kind of a general trajectory, basically, which I'm sure it's a very, very rich life. Um, in experience, and, and that's what's so appreciative, and that's why it's wonderful to be able to share all these insights, at least in the introductory way. Yeah, well, my life is, um, you know, it's probably not as exciting as yours, but yes, we do have this common background, Eastern Europe, which is probably uh, one of the major links that, between the two of us, and I was uh, born and raised in communist Romania. Um, I'm 60 years old turning 61 uh, next week. With actually. pride, because you've earned them all. <laughs> of course, I, am, uh, I would want to be a, an hour uh, younger because there is, uh, I hope, a little bit wisdom uh, that uh, also came along. Yeah, so my mother was German, my father Romanian, and I grew up in communist Romania. We emigrated to Germany uh, in, when I was 16 years old in 1974. And... Um, yeah, so my life was the result of that. And how how did this interest in in finance um, develop? Well, I always loved math. I I I mean, as many women in in former communist countries, when where the society didn't tell the women that they're more stupid than men. <laughs> As, uh, it was a big surprise to me to come to the West and learn all of a sudden, oh, because you're a girl, you're bad in math. And I said, well, who told you that stupid idea? Anyways, so I love math. And um, when I came to Germany, I wanted to study math. But uh, then I learned computer science was just, uh, was just uh, born, so to speak. It started being t taught at universities in Germany. And so I learned that that was a good way to apply math. And so I st studied computer science, and then I didn't like programming, you know, the traditional way. I thought this is a very awkward way to uh, uh, to twist language in a way that, you know, a computer understands. So when artificial intelligence came along um, mm. in the early 80s, I thought, oh, my God, this is the way how people think, and this is a way to uh, to program. And so I got involved in artificial intelligence. I um, graduated in AI. I was interested in expert systems applied with a chip design, very large scale integration. 
And I ended up at Stanford in the exchange program. That changed my entire life, of course, Silicon Valley. And, uh, and it was in the mid-90s when my husband and I saw Mosaic. That was the first internet uh, browser. And we knew that exponential tech was finally taking off and uh, came to Germany and uh, began investing, uh, basically began, started being entrepreneurs. I started a technology transfer company from uh, Silicon Valley to help uh, companies um, get onto the internet, only to find out uh, that, uh, and my husband and I, we both did this all together, uh, that people didn't have an idea what the internet was. <laughs> Just like today, like what is AI? Like what is exponential tech? It's very similar. But we knew that it was going to take off uh, exponentially. And so my husband then uh, started the first internet service provider that uh, turned out to be the first internet company that went public on the German stock exchange. And so when you're poor, and I grew up extremely poor in communist Romania. I didn't uh, have enough to eat. I went to school very often without food. I, um, I didn't have an indoor bathroom for um, until we immigrated to Germany. So, and of course, all of a sudden through our IPO, because the uh, this internet service provider turned out to be the first internet company that went public on the German stock exchange. All of a sudden, all the financial uh, needs were addressed. And uh, so because of my Romanian background, uh, I was also a philanthropist, uh, which a philanthropist is basically a lover of people, if you look at the definition. So my parents taught me that, you know, hey, we've been blessed and uh, we're in, you know, came to Germany, and uh, so we need to give back. So for many decades, we went back and helped uh, others and helped, you know, you know, bring some alleviation to the poverty there. And uh, all of a sudden, I realized that there was a discrepancy, was a schizophrenia between making money during the day and giving money in the, at the end of the week or in the evening or something. And so that's where this integral uh, thinking came along. So we decided that uh, it's about time to, uh, to address that. And we began investing with, uh, with an integrative mind, mindset. And it wasn't until I uh, was introduced to the work of Ken Wilber that I came across the model that uh, we then applied in investing. And that's been decades. Decades now. Yeah. But you have noticed a, a disparity between uh, poverty-stricken, not poor, mind you. Uh, apparently, Romania was not never poor. It was only poverty-stricken, and this is what I would like to say. Um, between poverty-stricken Romania, uh, where the, 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 phys the means for physical support, uh, the sustenance, physical sustenance was meager, uh, but the infusion of ideals and highest uh, values, apparently, uh, was tremendous. Uh, so much so that carried that kind of internal torch, internal flame forward for you. Whereas you're going to the West that has um, all kinds of material means um, and yet um, has some constrictions, at least. To say the least, it has some kind of... Um, Scarcity thinking scarcity thinking in the midst of wealth which yeah. is which are interesting paradoxes within those countries within those regions and between them and between i would say 
in the midst of that kind of contrast, your own being was rubbed enough to kind of emerge at a higher level point to enjoy and not only enjoy and, and tap into and create then wealth, but then to pursue and go forward, not to be subsumed by it, um, but to pr pursue and, you know, going forward those highest possible ideas, ideals. Would you like to comment on that? Because that will lead us exactly into, into the ideals that Future Capital wants to promote and, and embody, I would say. Yes, absolutely. And uh, yes, it, it's evolution. So you have, you know, you mm. can take any model that you like. Uh, you can take, I think most people are familiar with uh, the Maslow Pyramid. You have to have the base of the pyramid being addressed. You know, your basic needs have to be fulfilled. Otherwise, you cannot awaken, so to speak, quote unquote, to higher levels of consciousness because you have to deal with, you know, uh, making a living uh, rather than uh, creating a life. And so the base of the pyramid has to be fulfilled. And then all of a sudden, then you see, oh, my God, now I've had enough to eat. I have enough clothing. I can only wear one dress at a time. I can only, uh, you know, enjoy one roof over my head at a time. And then after a while, you see that there is more. And that, you know, for me, it was obvious that I, I had to pay, pay it forward. But it all, you know, we need to understand that, you know, you cannot jump um, evolutionary stages. You have to go through them. And uh, at every stage, you know, you can cognitively appeal to people's understanding uh, that there is uh, a different way of uh, looking at the world and tell them, oh, you've got to support this and you've got to contribute beyond yourself and so on. If their needs at a certain level is not fulfilled, they understand that they should be contributing. But if they're not there yet, if the consciousness level has not evolved for that level of consciousness, it has it's uh, it's not um, it remains a cognitive uh, notion. So you you have to go through these stages. And do you have children? Yes, I do. Yeah, then you know Too exactly sure. what I'm talking about because. You know, you cannot tell a, a two-year-old, you know, to contribute. I mean, a two-year-old is has to, you know, fulfill his or her needs at that time. It's a, it's a, it's just a selfish, and that's how it should be. Uh, but the selfishness, right. if it's nourished, it can grow beyond itself to become, you know, to allow other people to participate in the toys and you know, the food mm. and uh, the abundance. And so that's the same for adults. Um, if that psychological growth has not taken place at the right time, you know, it gets constricted. The body, the physical body grows, but emotionally and spiritually, we get constricted and we keep regressing. And that's what's actually happening right now with the refugees, you know, coming mm. to the West and uh, to Northern America and so on. So people go into fear rather than open the heart and say, well, this is all I have mm -hmm. and, and I can mm -hmm. share. And it consumes all of one's time. Exactly. And that's the, there is no time for, for being able to go within and, and understand and see the bigger picture, at least sit in ease. Um, because that makes you very restless and, and uneasy. And what, this what is, is where, yeah, where uh, the contribution of Ken Wilbur is, from my perspective, is, you know, he 
uh, sees that the cognitive line of development, you know, which is taught in school, you know, in school, we're not taught emotional mastery, unfortunately, I wish, you know, they leave it up to the family to do that. In school is taught, you know, we we're being taught cognitive uh, development and IQs, and uh, we measure our, uh, our success on the outside world in, you know, diplomas, and this is all cognitive development. Nobody looks at how emotionally, how evolved you are. But, and that's, of course, cognitive development goes ahead of all the other lines of development, like talents or art or emotional or psychospirituality and so on. That goes ahead. And so those of uh, us who understand cognitively and impose on others, you know, you should be contributing, uh, are failing because they don't have the mindset that's required to grow, to live up to a certain uh, next level of consciousness. And I think we need to, in events like uh, Future Capital, uh, contribute to closing that gap, I hope. Mm. So it's a mind shift that needs to occur, but it's hard work, and we all know how slow human beings grow. Yes, and... Um What's fascinating to me is as you discuss the, 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 the hierarchy of, of needs and, and this evolutionary process of which you speak of being on the threshold and jumping forward and what it's necessary for that. It seems to me, however, that um, your parents nur- nurtured you um, and your environment, as, as harsh as it was, nurtured within you and with, you know, poured into you uh, a seed of love and an aspiration um, that is a tremendous um, spiritual nurturance, um, if you will, and that you carry that unlike others who stunt it or suppress it or um, put it at service of something, some other needs, even as they gain wealth, um, they may be consumed by their own wealth for the longest time, and it takes them much longer or, or never <laughs> in this lifetime to emerge to a place to which you have emerged or, or ascend to a place to which you have and your husband. But it's fascinating to me to hear that there has always been that um, aspiration that now just gained means for, for higher expression. So I'm not sure th- about that. <laughs> Very fair. Very honest and very fair. Okay. I, I think there, is, there, is, there are a few things that uh, need to be sorted out. One is love. I could agree more. Yes, I was loved. That's... Uh, my parents loved me. My mother loved me. Um, otherwise, the communist society and the hunger and the scarcity would have killed me, uh, my spirit. So my parents nourished that for sure. But it wasn't a spiritual uh, uh, awakening of any kind. I grew up as an atheist, and uh, to this day, I am an atheist. I uh, I am spiritually evolved, but I'm not religious in any means. I was spiritually deprived, but I was an atheist, and to this day, I am one. Uh, because I don't believe in the old man in the sky, you know, judging upon us. Uh, that's a notion that is outdated, and um, I'm, I'm a very outspoken about this. However, I was spiritually deprived, and I have awakened to 
larger dimensions of consciousness. And that's a very, very philosophical conversation that, uh, I don't know, maybe we could have that over a glass of wine at some point. Sure, and I mean, in this, and let's draw the simple, uh, simple, if you will, but very sophisticated and elegant distinct, distinction between religiosity as, as subscribing to an institutionalized dogma uh, and a, a certain somebody's myths um, uh, that that uh, serve a particular agenda um, and are suppressing um, individual expression or authenticity or even exploration um, next to, if you want to use the word spirituality, um, as the understanding, the knowledge of the higher laws that govern the, the universe. And at least, at least, again, the exploration into what those could be in the style of Nikola Tesla, for example, or, or Emerson, the, the American transcendentalist. So in that sense, I, use, I very often use the notion of the spirited science, which means an inspired science that wants to go beyond its limitations of studying phenomenal, uh, you know, the, the uh, conventional phenomena. So I hear you very clearly on that and absolutely am aligned with what you're saying because there's something highly oppressive, whether it's the ideology of communism that oppressed or whether that's the ideology of, of, a, of a church or, or organized religion that oppresses. But anything that oppresses free th thinking in that sense does not really serve the individual or the collective um, in that sense. And when we're definitely um, seeking a way beyond that is going to engage and awaken the collective. But it's not going by those means, but actually um, addressing and, and supporting the individual to develop one's potential. So I hear you very clearly to, on, on that pushback on any kind of dogmatic um, uh, framework that limits us. And I think it's fascinating for me to, to discuss that, like you said, the higher dimensions of, of consciousness and, uh, and capital with it and to, to think of the way that... Um, artificial intelligence and the new technologies like VR, blockchain, AR, AI are potential tools, the potential means for that individual liberation of the stories that we will share from deeply individual perspectives and that are going to be pouring into a, a collective intelligence, into the collective mind that can help us liberate us from the drudgery of, um, you know, uh, daily tasks that are um, harsh and maybe collectively uh, be able to up level the possibility for us all because there is a current conversation about um, you know the threat and the fear of of technology uh, and the absolute uh, pro technology people that are um, celebrating the developments and you know there's a lot of um, discussion on the ethical principles behind the technologies and just like Gary Jacobs very often. Um, you know, reminds us of this quote by Roosevelt, there's nothing to fear but fear itself within one context. I would say there's nothing to fear but ourselves <laughs> because the machine are fed of uh, our mindset, the level of consciousness at which we're currently at. The machines are just fed the mindset and we only need to do exactly what you are speaking of. Um, tap into and explore higher levels of consciousness from which we can even inform our own tools to to serve us in return and to serve the greater humanity. So I, I couldn't agree more. And I think this is an extremely important aspect that you brought to the table. 
given the fact that our educational system is based on cognitive evolution and education at all, without the emotional and spiritual and psycho-spiritual and talents development in school, uh, we have actually, I couldn't agree more, we have, the only thing that we have to fear is um, the the psychological bias of uh, AI programmers so mm. and their mindset. And uh, so we need to shift our educational system to help highly cognitive developed people move from an egocentric level of consciousness, move beyond an ethnocentric where it's only my tribe, toward a world-centric or even cosmocentric uh, mindset. And this Thank is hard work. And so this is the bias that is currently being built into artificial intelligence systems. And this is why I am a, um, I'm a member, I'm a very active member of the Future of Life Institute and the Augmented Intelligence Initiative um, led by Max Tegmark on mm. addressing mm -hmm. the safe AI. This is extremely important and I, I, I couldn't agree more with you as to the importance of addressing these things because currently what's happening, and this is rightly so, we should be very cautious and uh, careful because the AI systems that we're currently developing do have all kinds of biases, women biases, racial biases, all kinds of biases that the people, the programmers are, have built in their own lives that they are now reflecting in the system that they're uh, uh, programming. Thank you for that. And in that sense, Mariana, um, or should I say Dr. Bozisan? Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, God. I just please realized, you know. That, please don't. <laughs> you know, the camaraderie and the, and the kind of the, the ethos of the World Academy, uh, where we call each other by first name, with absolute admiration and respect for the paths that we have walked and um, and the contributions we are we've been making in the world in the service. So, um, with delight, then uh, Mariana, the, one of the fascinating things here for me is also um, right along the threat um, uh, of the machine, not by the machine, but the threat of the machine um, and how it can be used as a means for for certain um, destructive, not constructive. Um, mindsets or or, or uh, agendas um, capital has for so long been weaponized that same way that there is a certain mindset and a certain agenda that uses capital to undermine entire regions or to exploit regions or to disenfranchise entire demographics or walks of life um, and I, right along these lines of the threat, if you will, and where the, the problem is the solution, certainly the, the core of the solution may arise from, um, from the very same issue of the weaponizations of certain means of social exchange, such as capital or technology, um, some wonderful possibilities have, have risen. And this is why I would like to ask you, I mean, what, what attracted you? You just mentioned one wonderful association within that um, Future Life in Institute. What attracted you to Future Capital Initiative? And why do you think this, this you know, might be the, a really, really good convening space and a connecting platform um, for us to take these notions forward and, and hopefully evolve them forward? Well, for me personally, I've been doing this kind of work ever since the mid-90s. And uh, so I, 
I, I speak, I talk about integral, integral business, integral company building, and integral capital. Because I believe, and I could have chosen, I could have chosen many paths, many things to do after, um, so to speak, our, our, our first IPO. But I recognize that with privilege comes responsibility, and that capital and company building and abundance building, building wealth for people, is the best way to really help people awaken, just like I did, to some next level of consciousness. And I'm, please understand me in the most humble way. I'm not trying to position myself any, you know, I'm in no way different. Uh, but I think there is a certain opening that occurs when people can fulfill their dreams and that mm. empowers them. And so for us, it was absolutely clear that the path moving forward, you know, I retired at age before I was 40 and I've never worked harder, was driven by the role that capital can play in awakening a uh, collective individual uh, awakening of, of the planet. Because I believe, as you just said, all of the structures that we have built, be it, you know, social infrastructure, businesses, uh, uh, schools, education systems, all of the systems that we've built are a direct re reflection of our own mindsets. So those of us who uh, are currently holding on to and all the... the um, onto old, outdated systems. Um, they are holding on to an outdated mindset. While the world opened up, became more global, the mindset remained at the very uh, ethnocentric level. And this is what the discrepancy, what the war comes in right now that we're fighting. Economics works at, at a global space, but people are still trying to hold on to what they know because the future is unsure. So from my perspective, capital and the future of capital has that amazing responsibility to help shift the mindset of the people by creating abundance. And I could not agree more with you. And this is why I just uh, completed a book and I submitted my uh, my uh, my manuscript already to the to the publisher that's exactly um, around those topics one is what is more important the existential threats climate change artificial intelligence and uh, nuclear threat on one hand and on the other um, technology should, should we stop it should we address climate change first and the technology after um, no, that's not how it works. Because people will continue to do what they love and you cannot impose upon anybody to take to focus on climate change if their heart is not in it. Uh, just as like uh, uh, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry said in The Prince, The Little Prince, if you want to um, build a ship, uh, teach people the love for the ocean. And that's exactly what I think of Future of Capital and similar initiatives are actually uh, attempting to do. Uh, help capital serve the people and build abundance so that they can move away from scarcity thinking toward abundance thinking because it's all in our head. It's a mindset. That's remarkable. You, first of all, congratulations on the book. Oh, What's thank the you. Book? The working title, I don't know what the automotive uh, title will be, but it's con uh, Confessions of an Exponential Investor in the Disruption Era. 
Marvelous. I hope that remains. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I hope that remains because that's exceptionally powerful. Oh, thank and you. it's it's I I see exceptionally successful is going to be because that's that's exactly what we need to understand the inner workings and the inner motivations um, of somebody who has walked the path all the way to that self giving uh, to offering into the world which is like you said the awakening the with such humbleness and full consciousness the way you said please take me you know please understand I'm speaking from a place of uh, humbleness basically say I'm not better than others but you are uh, more responsible because the more we awake we understand we are responsible uh, to everybody um, for ourselves the most but to everybody and um, that's that's just so wonderful to hear really really inspirational to hear um, you said you. something first of all you all you also express this in very poetic terms uh, so I really appreciate that finesse and that kind of uh, inspiration that you bring to it. Um, but you said something, what happens to a person that, who realizes their dreams and uh, how powerful that is. And I'll go to this big segment, this big, beautiful question here that said, describe a specific time or specific situation when you felt the most alive, involved and excited about your role um, in, in this world. Oh, there have been so many. Whatever comes to you now. Uh, <laughs> well, I... I've been so blessed my entire life. And I mean, I can say that with tears in my eyes because I really mm -hmm. mean it. I mean, how is it possible that somebody who grew up going to school hungry often um, has been so blessed to leave a country of oppression, move to a country where Germany has been, is welcomed us with open arms and has empowered us. And I mean, I've met so many extraordinary people who have taken me by the hand. And in Romania as well, I have one teacher. She's uh, amazing, Mrs. Fotake. Uh, she was my math teacher, and she's still alive. Um, mm. Without her, I would have been, um, you know, without her support from school, you know, never mind my parents' love, I would have been destroyed. And then, you know, coming to Germany and then ended up at Stanford, which was just another amazing um, thing that, you know, I have so many such awakenings and uh, they all end up in this deep sense of gratitude. It's, mm. So I told you that I don't believe in, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in an old man in the sky, um, but I do believe that uh, somehow um, we are divinely guided and uh, because we are all born naked, we come from nowhere, nobody really knows where we're coming from and we're going back there too. And every night when we go to speak, to sleep, we ended up end up in this some similar space, and nobody really knows what that is. And trust me, I'm a scientist. I've studied this. Um, but yet, here we are, you know, communicating, seeing, looking at each other over a computer, over an internet line. We're so blessed that we could look into each other's eyes and enjoy this very conversation 
that enables us to empower other people in our own little ways. So, God, this is a blessing in itself, just to look into your beautiful eyes right now. You know, you're sitting in Denver, and here I am in Munich, and um, with my background with, uh, you know, hunger, and not an indoor bathroom, and my teeth are all uh, broken because I didn't have the right nutrition, and my toes are crooked because I didn't have the right shoes, and my, you know, I, God, all this poverty, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're so blessed to have these conversations. Um, then, I, then every single thing that I ever wanted, I was able to achieve. I mean, I, all I needed to do was to write them down in some book and, you know, look at the list some six months down the road and see 80% of them fulfilled. So I, I don't have an explanation for this, but I do believe that there is something else that guides us. Having said that, I must also add is that, you know, the good gets implemented just as the bad gets implemented. So, Fair enough. <laughs> so it depends where your heart is and what, you know, what do you have on your bucket list? <laughs> you know, Fair be, be careful. So the power, and that's, that's where I, you know, even with the spirited science, the power of the mind, science is by the way, you know, um, <laughs> process a process of discovery. Yes, it's the 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 art of the mind. It's a mental art, right? Um, and that process of discovery and exploration, guided by an, and by an inspiration, guided by an aspiration, even for the higher possible uh, accomplishment, um, is is exceptionally strong in you. And you say that how we tapped into this frequency through the computer and with each other, and we're able to bond. Um, in 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 ways that you know are unbelievable, unprecedented for sure, and the technology allows us to do that. Just depending on what our intentions here are, and they are genuine. And I appreciate you so much um, because uh, apparently uh, you are naming um, a, a whole series of values um, and qualities that one should have. Even if you want to speak of, you know, scientific qualities or psychological qualities, the quality of the system itself determines its receptivity and its capacity then to, to radiate or project forward. And I always mention something that was inspired by Tesla that says the finer the medium, the greater its capacity for energy and power transmission. And you can, along any scale of being and human activity, apply that and understand that we are also developing more finer and finer and more ethereal means. And the more ethereal they are, they have the greater power of dissemination, whether that's money, whether that's code, um, whether that's frequency, you know, um, in a language, because we're symbolic animals. Um, and I just really, really appreciate how you describe those values which are that aspiration which is applying yourself which is gratitude which is humility you have um you have been embodying them and then also gifting them back to us naming them what they would be and i think in such a way again scaling along the scale of whole human being and human activity if you apply them to the the way we um, generate, distribute, or pre-distribute capital, and then you know put it forth uh, along the same scale of values, we stand a really really wonderful chance to create um, a, a more beautiful living together. 
and more beautiful sharing of life uh, together. Your life seems to be marked by a series of pearls strung along the same aspiration of peak experiences only because um, you have been uh, um, the sandpaper of life rubbed you raw, <laughs> but made you so, so much more receptive um, that way. So this is exciting. Um, well, thank if, you so if, much. Let me thank you um, to express <laughs> my gratitude to you for being such a beautiful mirror and for holding the space for me to share uh, my innermost developments. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that, Mila. It takes one to we see share you, a lot. Guys, you know. We share a lot and so much more that we will share in New York where we will meet at the Future Capital um, Forum, the first one, and that is remarkably also backed up by a very high platform and embedded uh, within the United Nations in New York and within the World Academy, we have multiple programs that will bring us together. And I'm really, really excited for that, especially for the one that now we're doing on the European side of UN, which is the global leadership for 21st century. And we need people that have awakened, meaning that they're highly responsible to themselves, everybody in the whole world. And I love, love what you said, that cosmic responsibility, that inspired cosmic responsibility that we have. Um, so I'm, I'm really thrilled to, to be able to have this conversation and maybe we can round off um, and in scaling uh, again um, onto the question of, of the practical um, application um, of, of our own work, the contributions that we can bring resource for joining forces and resources, I typically say, um, and the hopes um, and the concerns or considerations for the initiative for the initiative. So, you know, two parts to the question. Um, what is the highest possible aspiration? What is the highest possible contribution of this initiative that you would wish on? What would be, you know, potential concern if you have any at this time uh, for the initiative in kind of a forewarning or um, uh, kind of alert uh, uh, to, to the initiative, to the group of people, which is all of us? Uh, one part of the question, and within the same question, what would be, you know, the highest offering? What are the resources or strands of this inquiry, joint inquiry together, that you would like to take forward? What would you be open to, uh, to do with colleagues forward? What would you offer, and what kind of resources would you like to share? In equally, what is within the same context, what is the highest possible aspiration for you to take your missions and your, uh, your work forward and how can we uh, be the resource or the platform uh, collectively to, to, like you just said, hold the space for up-leveling uh, our individual uh, purposes within the group as well? Very important questions. Thank you for, uh, for that. So in terms of, let me start with contribution. Um, first of all, I have uh, implemented already what we saw our contribution being our contribution ever since the mid-90s as to how capital can contribute to create a better world in an integral manner. Um, and uh, so we have, ever since we, I discovered the integral model by Ken Wilber, we have applied that in company building. So as investors, we have our own family office. Uh, we invest our own money and we build companies using our own, own money, of course, together with other people who want to join in. 
And uh, so the entire foundation for building such companies, and I think this is the contribution of the future of capital, because around with capital you can build stuff. You can materialize the ideals of, uh, of whatever yeah. imagination that you could come up with, make it work, just like you mentioned Tesla. You know, his contribution, his ideals were implemented, they were made visible. And so in a similar sense, we have built companies uh, over the past uh, two and a half decades where wow. we used an integral model, an integral model being ideas, because both my husband and I are computer scientists, we are scientists, we understand technologies, we are uh, artificial intelligence experts, we build companies using a, a model that has both sides, build a culture, because 80% of the risk in any investment, particularly in, in venture capital, lies with the team. So by developing a team culture and associating yourself with the people who are already at a later stage of development, you, the, the likelihood of success is already built into the system. Of course, there are so many things that can go wrong, like timing, wars, exterior uh, things. But if uh, the foundation is uh, led through the people, like the culture that you just described of the extraordinary people that are coming together, you already have the premises for success. So from my contribution is we are already and uh, have built and are ongoingly building sustainable, integrally sustainable organizations. Uh, we measure ourselves using, using the UN SDGs, particularly we apply the UN SDGs within planetary boundaries. Uh, we use scientific means to, to measure our success. And it will be of no surprise, come to also no surprise to you to see that the financial return is extraordinary. So from our perspective, uh, throughout those almost three decades, we have had a, a constant return on financial investment of, of almost seven, 6.8 multiple in early stage investing. This is unprecedented. If you go around and look at returns of VCs or angel investing, you won't find uh, many with similar success. And I'm not saying that to impress you. I'm saying that to impress upon you. That is you. impressive. Yeah, well, to that impress upon impressive. you the importance of the people and the culture and the mindset coming from a world-centric mindset, a cosmos-centric mindset rather than an egocentric mindset. So we, so the measurement, the people, building off the culture and the means to make it happen uh, creates that abundance uh, that helps move away from scarcity thinking. In terms of, so these are the resources. Uh, we have uh, built organizations uh, um, we have built multiple family offices. We are joined forces with extraordinary other extraordinary people. You know, starting with uh, uh, you know the Rita Chocolate uh, people, Rita, uh, the family Rita, yeah, yeah. Uh, who are line mindsets. Uh, people from the Vela, you know, the Vela, uh, the had um, these are amazing uh, impact investors who are really making a difference as we speak. So we're all in the same circles making a difference in our own little, very humble way. But the infrastructure is already there. We're already, and it's under the, uh, the radar. Why? Because people who own the capital have no responsibility vis-a-vis -vis 
legislation or regulation. They can uh, do with their money what they what they can. So this is a very important distinction moving forward if you really want to make have an impact. Uh, one of the biggest problems we have is there is money owners and money managers. Money managers subscribe to regulations. So these are not bad people. They are just fulfilling the regulation imposed by law. And if they're not flexible to apply the UN SDGs within planetary boundaries, it's not because they're bad people. It's because they cannot. So the law needs to change to mm. allow the mm -hmm. UN SDGs to be measured and not just the financial only measurement criteria. This is the only criterion for success imposed by law. So that mm. needs to change. And this is why I'm so grateful to see that the UN is supporting this initiative and uh, we're all meeting to uh, make our contribution. As you know, I'm already active there. So, uh, so this is an important understanding. Having been in this field and having done the work over the past th close to three, three decades, decades that's say. exactly true what... Pathfinder. Yeah. You have so much to speak and vouchsafe for through the experience that yeah. for the last three decades, this is what yeah. we have been applying. Yeah. So it's just it, a matter of really scaling it out exactly. and applying it to the broadest possible field. Yeah. And in terms of scaling, this is exactly what we just announced. Um, we have just announced a climate endowment because up until now, we've uh, done our stuff with our own means, building small companies, building uh, from scratch. Well, small, it depends, you know, real successful ones, but it's not the mainstream. So an initiative like the Future of Capital needs to have an influence on changing the mainstream, changing the mindset and the measurement criteria there. Mm -hmm. But it's changing. So uh, as of June 5th, we have uh, announced the Climate Endowment. As you know, I'm also a member in the Club of Rome, in addition to being a fellow in the Academy of Art and Sciences. Um, we care about the environment because it's existential. And so we just announced uh, our decision to give ourselves our resources to manage other people's money and show how a transition to climate capital, climate endowment can be made. And so we already have uh, commitments over $1 billion, uh, by pension funds who want to join us. And so the intention is to begin with, uh, with about 40 billion to show how investments in renewable energies, uh, infrastructure and so on can be done. So this is the first time that, you know, pension funds are already joining forces, not, uh, not only because, you know, Greta Thunberg and others are doing uh, such a wonderful work in raising the, uh, uh, the awareness. Now, to your second question in terms of the concern, my concern would be, because I've been around and I've done this kind of work for the past, I don't know, forever, uh, one of the biggest uh, impediments for success in such circles is, is not to be taken seriously. Mm. So I've been very, very careful um, of uh, using scientific data, showing proof of concepts and showing the path as to how capital can move. Because not everyone has such an open heart like the people that are coming together. And uh, so if somebody is driven by fear, then you need to speak to that. It's just like with the two-year-old. You need to address, address their immediate the level where yeah. they're at. So mm -hmm. I think we need to Very be good point. Yeah, we need to protect ourselves in a way for not from point. not being attacked, and also be smart in using the capital markets language, and then mm. 
while you speak that, that's, you know, you're building rapport, building, helping people show how it can be done. And then the success helps them move, just like the two-year-old, move to the next level of consciousness, next, and so on. And then all of a sudden, all you need, all we need, my dear friend, is to reach the tipping point. It's only 10%. And we're very close. We don't need to convince uh, 90% of the world because everyone is born at square zero. I mean, even the Dalai Lama was born then, you know. Um, but so we need to reach a tipping point, and I think we're close to that. So initiatives like yours are extraordinary and uh, <coughs> important, and I think uh, can have an impact. That's remarkable. I mean, and re let's round it off there because I think it's only fair that we nurture humanity along the scale uh, that that they can handle. And I think you're, you're actually, in that sense, uh, doing the double bind of work. Like you say, you protect what's being incubated as an initiative, while at the same time, in actuality, you are tending to people to where they can hear and understand you and kind of uh, raise them uh, that way. And that's very poignantly um, said. You've said so many amazing, powerful things, and I think this kind of forewarning and this kind of... Um, fine-tuning that you offered, that we have to be really finely tuned w with everybody and in actuality cannot afford to alienate anybody in a move that is there to work for everybody. Um, in that sense, it's, it's very kind, it's very well attuned, and it's also a forewarning uh, and consideration that has not been spoken before, that I haven't heard it. So I'm really, really grateful that in, with such a s sober mind we are saying uh, these things and I'm very grateful for your time and we meet again very soon uh, on the interview as well as at the Uni uh, United Nations in New York and I'm excited to be able to you know bring forth um, personal experiences professional trajectory right along the practices that you remarkably have been using for the last three decades uh, with your husband and with your family in the world which I mean, you have built so many relationships that it must be remarkable. And if we bring that kind of model um, to the initiative, it's, it's an extraordinary um, wealth that we're bringing forward. Mariana, thank you so, so much. And we see each other very soon. For more on Dr. Bosazan and the Investment Turnaround, visit investment-turnaround.com.